You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, this feels like a familiar position. Florida State continued further down the downward spiral of their 2020 season on Saturday evening, losing 38-22 to to NC State at Carter-Finley Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina. Seminoles fall to 2-6, and 1-6 and in the ACC, and have now lost three in a row. You are on the bench <laughs> with Josh Newberg. I have Brendan Sinone sitting here next to me. I thought it was a, a non-competitive 22-38 to 38 score. Does that even make sense, Brendan? It does. It was a weird tone to the game. I mean, it's 21-3 to three at halftime, and then NC State comes out and, and scores on its opening drive uh, after FSU couldn't do much on its, uh, its opening drive the second half. And, and, yeah, FSU ends up outscoring NC State 19-17 to 17 in the second half, but mm-hmm. never really felt like FSU had a – had a chance after the first uh, first quarter of the game. No, and the big news of the game was FSU was without quarterback Jordan Travis. Um, he was out with an injury. Chubba Purdy made his first start. Uh, Chubba Purdy went 15 of 23 for 181 yards, two touchdowns. We also saw a little Tate Rodemaker, but before we get into that, um, Chubba Purdy's first start at Florida State, what were your impressions? I like how he hung in there. I mean, he starts off slow. You can tell, Josh, that the offense was very limited with what they were trying to do with him in terms of the playbook. That's been consistent with what we've heard through the, uh, you know, through the offseason, or preseason, I should say, and then he obviously got hurt. Uh, but we were told he was still kind of learning the playbook, and you can kind of see that. And, and the game's moving pretty fast for him initially, but as the game progresses, and, and yeah, NC State kind of softens up a little bit. Uh, but we see Josh's Chubba Purdy able to – move in the pocket he's not a quick twitchy athlete like Jordan Travis is but more of a guy who gets ahead of steam and uh, and can run a little bit he had 54 rushing yards mm-hmm. I took what the defense gave him and what I really liked was the ability to keep his eyes downfield while moving in the pocket was able to hit Pokey Wilson for a, a long touchdown I think it was a was a 69 yard touchdown no no, no it was, under, was it the 69 yard was it a touchdown um right. Regard nice, nice. I just want to say sixty nine a couple times, uh, but it was it was a nice ability to keep his eyes downfield and, and create a big play. He obviously delivers to Warren Thompson at the end of the game as well for another touchdown. Uh, but just kind of showed you progress throughout the game, which is what you want to see. So yeah, I like what we saw from Chuba Purdy. Uh, I wrote earlier in the week it's it's Chuba time. I'm I'm all on. I'm full Chuba. You got to keep going with him the rest of the year to see what you have. Keep building the offense around Chuba. I agree. Mm-hmm. We also saw Tate Rodemaker come in and spell him at times. Tate was three of five for 19 yards and an interception. You know, I don't mind it, Brendan, because of how far down this team is right now. I don't, you know, we're not really playing for anything at this point. I don't mind seeing two freshman quarterback in there. Uh, you know, you're going to struggle with one freshman quarterback, right? So obviously playing two true freshman quarterbacks isn't, isn't a great situation to be in, but here we are. Uh, I disagree. I'm playing the results a little bit here, obviously, because he, he didn't look very good. But I don't need to see Tate Rotomaker the remainder of the year, simply because I don't think he's ready to help you at all. You know, after the Miami game in that second half, he showed you a little something, but that was against, you know, reserves and in, in garbage time. And then obviously Jacksonville State. 
you saw the physical limitations with the arm strength. And then tonight we saw that clearly, just the inability to really push the ball in any kind of meaningful way downfield or even to the sideline. It, he just doesn't have it right now. I don't know if he'll ever have it, Josh, but no, I'm okay not seeing Tate Rodemaker again. I think it's just, it's, it's unfair for him at this point. And, and I think Mike Norvell said that the fourth series of the game, that's what people were mad at when, when Tate Rodemaker goes in. Uh, that was designed. I think they had that pre-ready to go. Mike Norvell said that during his press conference this evening, which is ongoing. Chris needs there covering it for us. Uh, the issue to me was, was Chubba Purdy was starting to settle in a little bit, mm-hmm. and you had this predetermined rotation with Tate Rodemaker, and that just that, that hurts you a little bit. And I'm, I think you just go with Chubba and Jordan Travis whenever he's ready uh, the rest of the way and rotate those two. Yeah, talking a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball before we switch to defense, just looking at some of these stat numbers, um, something that stands out to me, third downs, 3 of 14. It just mm. goes to show you how tough it was to move the chains for Florida State against this NC State defense. Um, also, fourth downs, 5 of 7. What do you make of FSU going for it on fourth down seven times this game? Yeah, I'm interested to get your thoughts, too. One, Mike Norvell goes for it a ton. I think he was up to 24th down attempts this season by the end of the game, and I would imagine that's – pretty high up there nationally, uh, only converts on about half of them, I think. Uh, let me pull that up, though, while, while I'm talking and, and make sure that that's close to, to where he's at. But he, he's going to be aggressive, Josh, and Mike, that, that's what he did at Memphis. He's going to play statistics, and we've talked about that on, on previous podcasts. So that's not a, a, a huge surprise for me. I think where fans get frustrated is he puts the defense in a position to have to defend a short field, and it's obviously not a, not a very good defense. But he's defense playing – can't you know, can't stop a long field. No, they, the they can't. Field. That's, that's kind of my thought process too. And, yeah. and you're trying to develop a couple of things here, right? So one, yeah. So they entered the game, by the way, at, with 19 attempts on fourth down wow. and, and 14 conversions, which is actually really, really good. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Only nine conversions, which isn't very good. Um, not, not as, not as good there. Uh, but so they enter this. They enter the game with that kind of mentality. They continue to do it. I think he's trying to set that when the team has more talent, that efficiency will go up to where it's closer to sixty percent, which is probably where you want it, not not in the forty-five percent range. But so what he's trying to do is set a mentality for his team. I'm all for that. Uh, he's playing to win the game. FSU's offense was limited script-wise with with what it could do with Chuba Purdy. It was a pretty condensed playbook and even the script I don't think was as uh, verbose as usual Josh so uh, when he goes for it on that I think it was the second second series of the game where they go for it and people were mad at it and they, and they don't get it man the, the offense doesn't have a whole lot of firepower the defense is going to wear down quickly we've seen that uh, they they give up key drives consistently so you got to try to take the points when you can get them if you have a chance to score if you're in, in any sort of position to do something meaningful on offense, you have to do it. Uh, so I, I'm okay with that. You can kind of question some of the play calls going from the Wildcat if it's predictable or whatnot. I, I don't know. I'm fine with it. He's trying to establish an identity with his team. I'm I'm more than fine with with him doing that at this point. I think that's kind of nitpicky in uh, the laundry list of things that are that are wrong with this team. Uh, running back, before we switch it, I want to talk about running back. Um, it seems like Jay Sean Corbin, he got 14 carries. We saw Damian Webb only get five for two yards. Um, a couple of games ago, it seemed like Damian Webb might have taken a step forward in that running back group, but now it looks like they're leading on Jay Sean Corbin again. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened with Webb and, and his touches. I mean, he had a nice run. I, I think it was after the catch late in the game where, where he bulldozed NC State 
defender and shows you some of that change of pace stuff. He certainly was his most valuable with Jordan Travis because of what he did as a blocker. Uh, Corbin's run hard. I thought he ran hard today. I think he's run hard the last couple of games. He hasn't been as explosive as we had hoped for. Uh, the disappearance of Lawrence to Philly's a little bit uh, confusing and disappointing given what he brings explosively, even though he makes some some rookie mistakes, whether it's his blocking or or uh, following blocks, but but still he's he's explosive. So I'm not sure what the running back rotation is about, Josh. It's worth monitoring, but but I didn't have an issue with going to Corbin fairly frequently. He he did run he did run pretty hard. NC State put up some big numbers, led led by none other than former Noel Bailey Hockman, the F, the former FSU QB revenge tour continues on. Hockman torched the Seminoles. He was 24 of 34 for 265 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Um, really, really looked confident back there. Was able to move the chains, especially on third down against Florida State. What were they on third down? They were 10 of 15, Brendan. 10 of 15, and, uh, and early in the game, too, like when they had to set the tones, Josh, they were, they were converting at a really high high clip on third down. They average 8.6 yards per play on third down. So not, not going to win games doing that. So let's get into it. Uh, where did the defense break down? Whew. All right. Well, real quick, hey if, hey, if I had told you before the season that FSU would go one and two in the quarterback revenge tour and the one win was going to be against Sam Howe, uh, what would you have told me? <laughs> <laughs> A weird year this is. <laughs> 2020, man, 2020. Uh, the defense, so here, could I, like the positives, the trench play. Robert Cooper was beastly at times. I thought he played really hard. Fabian Lovett played hard. Uh, those guys did well setting setting the tone inside, made the run game really difficult for NC State, and the linebackers did well to clean up and play behind those guys generally, not not always. Uh, the edge setting from Kando and Robinson was, was decent. I know J-Rob had the one that looked pretty bad on Bailey Hockman's touchdown right before halftime on the option play but but generally the defensive line held its own the linebackers did okay until late in the game uh, against the run and then the defense starts wearing down and that's where not having Marvin Wilson and Corey Durden uh, shows as the interior of the defense line gets weaker and, and, and more gassed so that was a positive Emmett Rice plays hard uh, Jarvis Brownlee with the interception was crazy and and I love that play Josh because late in the game it's not just a uh not a hustle play, not just a hustle play, but it was a culmination of him playing pretty hard for a while and, and kind of just putting himself in position for something good to happen, which, which is what you're trying to build at, at Florida State when you're talking about culture and, and guys you can kind of rely on. Jarvis Brownlee continues to, at the very least, play hard. The issue to me on defense, it's just it keeps coming up. And we saw Hampson Nazarene come back, which was, which was nice to have him today. That was his first game of the season. But the safety play, Mm-hmm. The whiffs that those guys have, the uh, even even with Hamza Nazar being returning, I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't have his best game by far, no. and nor were we expecting it. But right, right, you know, just the timeliness of it, it just didn't bode well for FSU today for for Hamza to return and and not be able to be the stopper that he is on that back end of the defense. Yeah, and like you said, I think that was expected for him to kind of work his way into it. And hey, he was. He had his moments where he kind of he flashed. And you're like, oh, there's there's Hamza. I think at one point in the first quarter, he he was on pace for like 12 tackles and and two tackles for loss. And he finishes with uh, four tackles, <laughs> and, and so he, he didn't really progress after that first quarter. Uh, Cindy Williams flashed a little bit later in the game. The the true freshman, 
Uh, but Travis Jay has a rough game, one on special teams with a muff punt, but just doesn't really uh, show you a whole lot as a tackler and kind of playing erratically. Brendan Gant had the whiff on the final touchdown of the game for NC State that gave them the 35-9 to lead. Brendan Gant just goes flying in with his head down. And that's the kind of stuff, Josh, that you see consistently There's with this defense. There's a play to be made there, Brendan. There's, there's consistently plays to be made. Now, some of the, the coverage lapses and just the wide-open nature that NC State has uh, and allowing Bailey Hockman to kind of sit in the pocket. One, he gets a lot of time consistently. Uh, but then, two, he's able to uh, to to carve up FSU's defense. But Thomas, it feels like every other year FSU allows like 100 yards to a, a white slot wide receiver at, up at NC State. Remember the guy who did work against Jalen Ramsey? Back in 2014, I think it was. Uh, so it seems like that just kind of – that just happens every few years uh, for FSU. But but Thomas goes ahead and gets uh, 11 catches for 135 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, uh, yeah Amizie, who, uh, who everyone was kind of focused on before the game, had the touchdown uh, and only 50 yards, but he did have a score. Uh, but, yeah, they just attacked the slot over and over again, just – finding soft spots in the zone. And, and I think that's the frustrating part, Josh, is the linebackers don't look a whole lot better in coverage, better against the run, yeah. But but the linebackers in coverage don't look great, and the safeties don't make enough impactful plays. And that combination just leaves you really vulnerable down the middle of the defense. Uh, that's that's how you consistently give up 35-plus points uh, a game this season, which FSU's doing. You ain't lying. They're, they're doing that. Any other general takeaways coaching-wise? Um, you know, the message boards were, were fired up on Knowles 24-7 throughout the game and even now in the aftermath of the game. People are going crazy. Um, what, what did you make of the coaching, especially on the defensive side of the ball, the scheme? Yeah, I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up the message board now just to kind of see what people are talking about. And, and there's actually, like, there's a lot of upvotes. People are prisoners of the moment because if that game ended poorly with like Warren Thompson not catching a touchdown I feel like people are all pissed off but but the FSU ends on a on a note that makes you feel good and, and we'll focus on positives because it did the team did not quit which uh, they had opportunities to I thought the defense was about to bow down completely they kind of scrapped a little bit at the end of the game which was nice the offense obviously did too the coaching on defense which you asked about Josh Adam Fuller Listen, I'm always going to be slower to pull the trigger on saying, oh, we need to get rid of a coach and we need to start, you know. I feel like people like had made up their minds in game two of the season on Adam Fuller, a lot of our, our message board has. The defense not progressing in key areas, that the missed tackles, the coverage lapses, uh, just the attitude. Like I don't need Travis J to be uh, barking at Bailey Hockman and going out of his way to talk trash to Bailey Hockman after a touchdown run when you're down 21 to three. Like, I just, I don't need my players doing that. That doesn't all fall on Adam Fuller. Some of this is systemic problems that have been happening for, for a few years now, but uh, the defense isn't making meaningful strides in my mind. And, and that does ultimately fall on the, the coordinator. So I have some issues there. I did see some organizational stuff that, you know, this Mike Norvell's teams are known for being pretty buttoned up in terms of uh, substitutions and whatnot. They had to take a timeout, I believe, because they only had 10 players on the field for a kickoff. I uh, saw Bailey Ho or Bailey Hockman, uh, Babyon Johnson getting a false start early in the game to put you down the hole. Like that's a fifth year senior keeps making similar mistakes. Uh, so there's some organizational things that, that are problematic that, that Mike Norvell has to get better with. Uh, but yeah, the, the coaching on defense, I, I'm having a harder and harder time, Josh, defending, Adam Fuller and the performance that the defense is having. I get they don't get put in great positions sometimes with the fourth down math the FSU does on offense, but 
don't know, are you seeing quantifiable, like optically, like does this defense look markedly better than it did the first game of the season against Georgia Tech? No, I think things are – I don't think things are looking better at all on defense. I think things – I think the defense looks scared, desperate. Um, they're always chasing. You don't see – you don't see many thumpers on that side of the ball at all. Um, nobody mm-hmm. really forcing the issue. And a bunch of guys after plays kind of looking around at each other trying to figure out what went wrong. And there's a predictability to it that, that bothers me. Uh, the first drive of the game – being something that, that opponents can move the ball on consistently, like is an ideal as well. Right. That, that consistently like that happened against Louisville uh, that happened against Pittsburgh. Like you get them in a decent position and third and medium or third and long, and, and you allow uh, back breaking plays like that doesn't help with setting the tone. And so you kind of feel this impending doom, right? Like, and then even right before halftime, I texted you guys, I'm like, Hey, joking. Like, does anyone want to bet that this defense like what are the odds that you'll give me that they'll give up a touchdown here and no one wants to take the bet because you just knew like they were going to get driven on. And then they open up the third quarter uh, on their first defensive drive for FSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, you allow a march downfield and it just, it feels formulaic and it's exhausting. And, and those are the issues that are concerning. And if you're a fan who's, who's not happy with the lack of growth on defense, I I'm having a harder and harder time defending that at this point, Josh. Well, I don't know how much time they're going to take to recover um, because they got Clemson this week, Brendan. <laughs> you know, it's that it's that trap game before the UVA game. Uh, I don't know how to I don't know how to comprehend Clemson coming to town. Like, I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what you're trying to feel good with. I don't know what we're going to do for podcasts this week. Like, how much do you want to pre- spend time previewing the Clemson? Game, I think Josh? we should make a run to Market Square Liquors. And, oh, um, let's do that. Let's do that. Load up. I think everyone should load up and then pod. Literally load up on, on liquor and then on <laughs> liquor. We'll load up in, in two different ways. Yeah, but the, yeah, Clemson's this weekend. Um, it's going to be another day of reckoning for FSU. We're going to get more into it with Chris Nee um, this week. We'll sit down on the bench and, and kind of sort it all out. Uh, any final thoughts you got, Brendan, before we we leave? Uh I think I mentioned mostly guys, so I just want to give credit to who I thought played hard towards towards the end and with the game out of reach. Uh, Chubba Purdy on offense, Jay Sean Corbin, LaDamian Run ran hard at the end of the game when he got touches. Wyatt Rector came in, had some nice blocks. Uh, the Warren Thompson touchdown catch was nice, but he also has a drop earlier on, so yeah. yeah. Uh, on defense, Jarvis Brownlee, Emmett Rice, Robert Cooper, Sidney Williams flashed a few times, Amari Gaynor flashed, Fabian Lovett. So, so there's some guys, and most of those are – are guys who we expect to return, hopefully. Uh, a lot of that success did also come in garbage time as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a curve that we want to put on this. That yeah, it, NC State got softer. Like I think on both offense and defense, they allowed some of that. Uh, but you know, you got to take it where you can get it, man. <laughs> you can't beggars can't be choosers right now. And and guys showing a pulse when there's not a whole lot to really be playing for other than pride. Like right. I, I think there's something to be said for that. I'm not saying that's, uh, I'm not saying that you, you build on that in the sense like, Oh, this is a, a thing to celebrate, but it's something to at least note and say, okay, this is positive. Okay. And, all that. And we'll all take that, that. All that positivity being said, is okay. this another rock bottom? No, no, I don't think it is. I was, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about dusting off the rock bottom, 
column, but because they uh, they finished the second, it was yeah, last week. People <laughs> put it in the refrigerator. People keep asking me, "Am I going to rewrite it? Am I going to reuse it?" And in the three things I learned, I said this is rock bottom. But no, I don't think so. I think that the Miami game still stands out as the rock bottom, simply because they weren't competitive at all in that game. Uh, you allowed two quick scores. The offense never really does anything other than the field goal in the first half. It wasn't competitive from the get-go. At least like Louisville, there was a few plays here that turned the game, and then the floodgates opened because this team just fractures and falls apart. Pittsburgh was a little bit more of a drawn-out deal because you got up to the early lead, and then a few bad plays happen in a short period of time, and you fall apart. Uh, the Miami game was just totally non-competitive and, and – I think show just how far of a script you had from in-state rivals. So no, I'm not going to say this is a, this is a rock bottom. I know people want me to say it. I'm not going to say it. Uh, there's things you can actually build on and say where there's a direction. Josh, they played probably almost 80% freshmen or sophomores uh, with the marquee snaps today. Like this is a rebuild. Yeah. This is a gutting uh, buckle up, man. There's three more games left and it's going to look a lot more like this. I think for, for at least two out of those three games, really next week, it's going to probably be rough. Marcus Square Lickers. Here we come. All right. Well, this was a cheerful episode of On the Bench. Thank you, Brendan. Was I better than Chris? No. But for Brendan Sinone, I am Josh Newberg, and we are On the Bench.